We're so glad that you're with us this morning. I just want to acknowledge that for some of you, this has been a really hard week. There's been changes of circumstances, added financial pressures, increased tension in the workplace. For some of you, you're on the front line with the NHS. You've seen an increased workload, uh, often in environments where you now have less staff around you. Some of you so painfully have heard of lost your jobs this week. Some of you, you're businesses dreams and hopes have just evaporated in front of you i it's hard we're praying for you we're for you um we want to encourage you to continue to connect in any way you can if you you know i want to say go to a small group go to it regularly join us on a sunday join us regularly some of you um are finding you have a significantly decreased capacity stay connected some of you have an increased capacity and I want to say with that, some of you come and get involved. There is a time now where you have time and capacity to um, just throw yourself into things more and that will give you a point of connection and support. Some of you have just been put on furlough. Some of you have been re-furloughed. We want to invite you into a season of being more involved as using some of that time to serve. But but mainly, I, I just want to acknowledge that for some of you, you're facing pain right now there's a there's a mental emotional spiritual um pressure and for some of you in so many different ways we're finding that it's not all the same it's different ways but john seven thirty seven. can i remind us of this anyone who is thirsty come to me anyone who believes in me may come and drink for the scriptures declare rivers of living waters will flow from his heart there is life in Jesus. That's where we find it. I know there is a drain and there is a strain on many of you at the minute in many different ways, but come and drink and come and drink deeply because liver, not livers, rivers of running water flow from his heart. Whilst praying for you this week, I was also just reminded of John um, 14 verse 1. It says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. You know, where we're reminded currently of our lack of control, where we're reminded of our humanness and our frailty, we find in him security and stability and comfort. Jesus said, don't let your hearts be troubled, trust in God and trust also in me. We're praying that you would know that, that you would be comforted and settled by that. When the world is spinning around us, when we're living in quite turbulent times, don't let your hearts be troubled, trust in God. And trust also in me, Jesus says. I um, hope that's helpful to you. I've also found it helpful just to hold on to stories of hope and stories of God's provision. Can I just encourage you with a quick one of that? Even just from this week with 422, I found many of the aspects of that project in, in a human sense would seem beyond us. It's a huge step of faith into the unknown. I've found so many times myself just pondering and reflecting on that, but um for example, just even with sorting out the heating from a human perspective, it's quite a remarkable job. It could be a hugely expensive project, but a guy who has not previously been known to us um, came and saw the project. And afterwards, he emailed Stuart and he said this, your passion for the project was infectious and a great credit to you and your team. I just want to say for a start, that is true. 
I have been drawn into the infectious carrying of that project by a number of you and by Stuart. But he went on to say, we do sponsor many charities throughout the year and support many friends and families with raffle tickets and prizes and the like. But on this occasion, there was just something else that you gave Stuart, the whole backstory and clear vision that you're trying to achieve both in the short term and the long term. This is not something that we normally do, but I would like to help out on the project by providing the above services for free this time round. Honestly, it's quite remarkable and it's just another step along the unfolding story. I, I read and reread the email multiple times, three or four times, and then I actually had Steph read it and check and read it back to me because it was almost too good to be true because there's moments where we can tangibly see God's provision and the fingerprints of God on this thing that lies ahead of us. Also, it's worth saying that as we've estimated the time and effort that's been given by many and partners and people we've come to know and who are now joining us in this story, but predominantly by many of you over the last number of weeks and months, we estimate that the work you have done and given has saved us around £100,000. Isn't that amazing? You know, as part of filming for Cause to Live For this year, of which we'd love to invite you to be part of Cause to Live For. Come and come and join it. Come online. It's in a few weekends time. But um, Cause to Live For is predominantly in, aimed in the movement of those in their 20s, 30s and students. I want to say this. Sack that. It's online. Come and be part of it. it. The content, I pray, will be encouraging and enriching for you. But as part of some of the preparation for it, Steph and I had a conversation with Neil and Janet Young. They lead the Causeway Coast Vineyard in Northern Ireland. And um, our hearts just align with them in what they're doing, how they do it. They have such a um, stewardship and such a heart for their city and their community. Anyway, we're recording this conversation and we managed to capture a word that Janet had for us as a church. It felt very powerful and it felt quite significant. Steph and I were just showing that from a human point of view, whilst we're stepping out in faith and we trust God, but from a human point of view, this doesn't feel like the right time to be doing a building um, project or stepping out into a venture like we are. But of course, from a faith point of view, it's never been better timing. But let me just share some reflections Janet had almost as a prophetic response and insight to that. We found it most encouraging. So here that is. I don't know if this, um, I don't know if this is right. So you can, you can decide, but just when you're talking about, it's not the right time to, to, to do a building and all that kind of stuff. I just, I actually just think that the Lord has kind of marked you as Noah. <laughs> but, and when you're dreaming about the building and, and the renovations that you're doing, think beyond what's now. Like, think about the things that don't make sense now to be in your building and incorporated as part of your building. But I think God's going to give you some Noah dreams and show you how to build an ark when you don't need an ark yet. Um, but then when you need the ark, you, it's built. It's there and it's ready for your city. So, um. Yeah, so I just think that God has some has some arc dreams for you to to know what to incorporate in your building. So Gosh, thank you. Wonderful. You know, we are praying for the release of that in a time where so much is lost and robbed and scaled back, where feels can, where things can feel pinned in, where there has been a pain and a cost to this time, where we are praying for the release of Noah dreams. 
when we first shared with you back in, I think it was the February of 2019, all that we thought the Lord was stirring and birthing among us. I remember saying at the time that we felt like Noah. We were stepping into the unknown, seeking to be faithful with all that the Lord had placed on us. But we felt like Noah. You know, we, we dream on, we pray on, we continue to step out in faith alongside you, believing and daring to believe for greater things. We're currently seeing and we feel like we're seeing almost the river of living water currently flowing over both worship, worship and justice. And the, the two streams are almost merging. It feels powerful and it feels exciting. And we, we long to be a church that steps into that in faith and expectancy. Today, I just want to continue the series that I've been doing called The Clash of the Kingdoms. If you've missed any, can I encourage you to catch up? It's not just for this season and this time. I believe this is more timeless and for, for all seasons, but it is so important for us to reflect on this. Now, I just want to today briefly and specifically look at identity. There is a fight. There is a clash of the kingdoms for your identity. Do you, do you realise that? Can I ask you that? Because part of the battle is realising that there is a battle. A verse I've shared a few times over the last few weeks is Ephesians 6 verse 12. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities in the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in heavenly places. The enemy comes for your identity. If you if you don't realise that, sometimes you don't realise the need to be on your guard. The kingdom of God does not come into a vacuum. It comes against all the forces of evil and sin and brokenness and everything that has gone wrong in God's creation. The works and the word of words of Jesus lead to a reaction from the various forces of darkness. And we see that in the Gospels. It leads to a series of almost confrontation and conflict stories. Jesus commanded his disciples to do everything that he did. He says, um, John 14 verse 12, it says this, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works that I've done and even greater works because I'm going to be with the Father. He literally imparted power and authority to them over demons and sickness. It was quite clear that they were to exercise the authority of the kingdom of God. Matthew 10 verse 5, Jesus sent out the 12 apostles with these instructions. Do, so don't go to the Gentiles or the Samaritans, but only to the people of Israel, God's lost sheep. Go and announce to them that the kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cure those with leprosy, cast out demons, give as freely as you have received. In Luke 10, he gives very similar instructions as he's about to send out the 72. Why, why do I tell you that? What's the relevance of that? Because part of the way the enemy tries to work is to unsettle your identity and get at your authority. I've seen it time and time again. I've experienced it personally time and time again. And when I do, what is the result of the, the robbing of authority being, it's often that he's trying to unsettle my my identity and by doing that he robs me of my authority. He'll torment me, he'll torment you by 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 loads of ways, but a but a sin of the past would be one. An insecurity, an inadequacy, a vulnerability. What's the net result? Reduced authority. 
He creates relational upset and unrest. What's the net result? Reduced authority. He creates distraction and dilution of your purpose and direction. What's the net result? Reduced authority. Do you see what I mean? That's what he does. The kingdom of God came about through the anointing of the Holy Spirit on Jesus, giving him the authority to announce and demonstrate the reign and the rule of God. He then delegated this authority to the disciples at Pentecost, anointing them with power to continue his ministry. That delegated authority now rests on the church. However, a lack of confidence in their identity as beloved sons and daughters and for us, can paralyze us as Jesus's followers and prevent us from going forth with the authority and the anointing of Jesus. So if we're not sure of our salvation or insecure in our, in our identity in Jesus, then we're less likely to step out into radical obedience and the call that he has on our lives. So when we attempt to minister to others, we can become preoccupied with our own struggles. You know, one of the best things, there's many, but one of the best things about the gospel, the good news in the good news, is that we're given a totally transformed identity through new birth. 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 5 verse 17 says, anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life has gone and the new life has begun. So what, what do we then think the enemy goes after? Well, he goes after exactly that. I mean, surely you're not. You're not a new creation. You've not been birthed afresh. This is not um, you with the old life gone. Surely not. What about this? Reminder, reminder, reminder of the things that were the past. You're, you're not. You can't be. You shouldn't be. You will not be. There's many factors that might contribute to a low sense of identity. I think it's one of the reasons the Bible has such a strong emphasis on Christian identity because the fallen state of humanity leads to all sorts of devastation, all of it really going back to the core, which is to sin. And all human beings have been created with a conscience. So when we're faced with God's moral standards, we know we fall short. That the Holy Spirit, one of his roles actually is to convict us of sin to allow us to realise these things, our need for Jesus, and then lead us into a place of repentance. But when you add life circumstances, can add to that sense of loss of identity and that identity loss. Here's just a few common ways that I think we can find ourselves with a damaged sense of identity. Now, I, I want to be really careful here because I'm not trying to just stir this up for the sake of it. I'm not trying to stir something up that's going to lead you to a place of greater pain and discomfort that you may already find yourselves. And I'm well aware that not being in person with you, I'm, I'm speaking to, seek in, to speak into something where I tangibly can't see the impact of that on you. So I want to be um, as measured and as sensitive as I can. But please also understand that I believe it's important that we consider this because it's a significant part of how the enemy can try and steal our authority and unseat our identity. So let me just give you a few areas that this can happen. Some of you may have grown up with critical, non-affirming parents, or maybe um, just you've been on the receiving end of the, the wrong end of a sibling rivalry. Some of you will have grown up through debilitating poverty, 
some of you will have experienced abuse and I, I don't want to fully unpack all of that without again being with you in person but there is much within that some of you will have been placed in a certain school environment where as a young child you could have been heavily knocked by a teacher or or by another pupil in that environment some of you will have faced challenges in your childhood but even potentially now in the age and stage that you're at in your learning where you've not been able to grasp things in a way that a competitive world around you would or you would have felt like was demanding of you again i'm tr i'm trying to be really careful and sensitive in how i word that but that might just be a reflection that might uncover something for you some of you may through some of your choices even ones that you might look back on and say were wrong choices but through certain things like addictions and within that i also want to say sexual addictions you will have you could have been you may well have been left with a sense of shame some of you will have suffered and some of you are suffering from uh, the impact of a traumatic marriage or a traumatic divorce some of you within that a, a verbal or a physical abuse some of you may have faced through various means in many different ways the sense and not just the sense but the reality of rejection from and through and by others some of you may have had a physical condition that has caused you to feel robbed and actually may be have been robbed of your dignity now not being with you in person it's hard to sense or to now see how you may be responding to some of what i've just said please know that i try and do that with the utmost sensitivity but also in the knowledge that i don't think we can avoid these conversations because some of the some of it although painful and hard to reflect on may be something that has continually been scratching away and robbing you of your identity in Jesus or the fullness of that and therefore is robbing you of your authority now there could be many other things that I haven't mentioned that is not in any way an exhaustive list just as I pondered it they were the reflections I thought today in this moment would be right to bring before you but some of these things things that I've mentioned also I think are becoming more and more evident among the millennial generation there's a whole list of reasons why that would be that again I don't think we've got time to go into now but against the backdrop of all of that let me say this the redeeming love of God comes to us and he calls us beloved and he gives us names and titles like son and daughter of God and co-heir with Christ and saint and members of an elect community. Sometimes we have to realise that even the slightest twist in how uh, we can see these things can have a huge impact. I used to say to people quite regularly, actually, I'm a sinner saved by grace. I don't actually say that much anymore. Whilst it, it is true, you know, I once was a sinner who repented and believed and as a result was saved by grace. I don't, I don't dispute that in any way. You need to know that. You know, grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. But I want to say this, I am now a child of God, healed of my spiritual sickness, set free from sin and a slave to righteousness. Not a slave to sin, but a slave to righteousness. Romans 6 verse 18, you are now free from your slavery to sin and you have become slaves to righteous living. Some of you this afternoon 
I want to encourage you to actually do this in reality, is sit down with a cup of tea and repeatedly say to the Father and allow him to say to you pretty much what it says in John 1, 12, but to all who believed and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. You want to sit down with that cup of tea and say, I am a child of God. Let him speak that over you. I am a child of God. Say that a few times, it will change your view. It will change your outlook. It may take more than a few times. You might need to commit to that for a period of weeks, months or even years. Immerse yourself in that as you worship. I am a child of God. Because when the lies of the enemy come, I am a child of God. When the lies of the enemy come, do you know who you're dealing with? Because I am a child of God. John 3, 16, for God loved the world so much that he gave up his one and only son so that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. I am loved by the Father. I am loved by the Father. I'm a child of God and I'm loved by the Father. I almost just believe some of you, before we go any further, can I just pray that over you, some of you right now? I just want to pray that, that, that you, you would have a moment of response to that more than just a mind thing but a heart thing that your eyes would be open you need to hear that truth right now with some of the circumstances and situations you're in you are a child of God and you are loved by the father I pray Lord Jesus that they would know that receive that soften to that 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 would just reach into the depths of the core of their soul and bring a fresh revelation of their identity and a release from some of the pain. Jesus, would you seal that? You know, to that list of um, unsettlers that I listed earlier, things that could rob you of your identity, I listed off, I say this to those things, you are a child of God, loved by the Father. Now, you might have to say that until you actually are able to start believe in that but my fundamental identity is I'm a child of God loved by the father I am a new creation that's not just for me that is yours too child of God loved by the father a new creation now sometimes it's important we get this some of what I'm saying cannot just be understood through a mental understanding Paul prays that we would receive a revelation I want to pray that over you that this isn't just a mental understanding but this is a revelation an opening of the the eyes of your heart to the ways of God. Our way to understand our identity is first to find it in Jesus once we find it in Jesus so we can then discover our own. Because as we discover whose we are, we discover who we are. Does that make sense? Of the uh, Jesus, I believe, was so aware of his sonship right from an early age. At the age of 12, after staying in the temple to discuss theology with the scribes, his parents are like, where is he? And um, Luke 2.49, it's like, didn't, you, didn't they know I must be in my father's house? I've got to be in the father's house. Didn't you know that I must be in my father's house? That sense of sonship was then elevated when he was baptised in the Jordan. Luke 3, 21, one day when the crowds were baptised, were being baptised, Jesus himself was baptised as he was praying. The heavens opened and the Holy Spirit in bodily form. Just imagine that, that we can just let that roll off the tongue, but just imagine that, the Holy Spirit in bodily form. I pray the Spirit of God would descend on us today in that manner. But descended on him like a dove and a voice from heaven said, You are my dearly loved son and you bring me great joy. Jesus was about 30 
years old when he began his public ministry. In that moment, he receives a double blessing. The Holy Spirit came on him one, and the Father spoke words of love and affirmation over him and his beloved son, part two. You know, the event then triggers the start of his public ministry. I believe we need both of those. We need both of those on on, on our lives as we step into the fullness of all that God has for us immediately following Jesus's baptism Jesus entered what he entered into spiritual warfare because the key strategy of the devil was to cast doubt on his sonship rob him of his sonship he robs him of his identity rob him of his identity you dilute and dismiss his authority twice the devil said to him Luke 4 verse 3 the devil said to him if you are God's son if you are the son of God, tell the stone to become a loaf. What did he say? If you are. Do you see Do you see the question? He goes for his identity to unsettle his authority. He says, if you are. He tries to rob him of that identity and therefore his authority. He tries again, Luke 4 verse 9, and the devil took him to Jerusalem, the highest point of the temple, and said, if you are the son of God, jump off. Do you see, do you see it again? If you are. Jesus having won the battle and that involves standing firm in his identity. What happens? Well, Luke 4, verse 14, then Jesus returned to Galilee, filled with the Holy Spirit's power. From then on, he demonstrated kingdom authority. We face the same spiritual battles, I believe. The clash of the kingdoms, they collide. There's a fight for this. But once we win the battle for our identity, we're better placed to then minister in the power of God and extend the kingdom among us. Jesus teaches us a model and models to us the unique understanding of identity that we can have that he had with the Father. Jesus had this level of sonship that was previously not seen or experienced. It had never been known before like that to a human. He 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 used the unheard of name for God. He called him Abba, you know, Abba Father, Daddy, Dad, Mark. 14 verse 36, Abba Father, he cried out. He taught the disciples to join him in this relationship, telling them to pray. Matthew 6 verse 9, pray like this, Jesus said, pray like this, our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. You know, in the Sermon on the Mount, he makes frequent references to the care and to the love of the Father. He described the extravagant, forgiving love of the father in the parable of the lost son in Luke 15. I, I believe, I just want to say this in a moment, I believe some of you need to know that this morning. You've been robbed of your identity because he keeps tormenting you with unforgiveness. Come afresh before the father, be reminded of your identity and be reminded of the extravagant forgiving love that we see in the heart of the father in the parable of, of the lost son in Luke 15. Don't let the enemy rob you anymore. Don't let him torment you. The father of lies rob you of your root of identity through tormenting you with the lie of unforgiveness. Come, find in Jesus freedom and forgiveness and be released to all that he has for you. Would Why, why, why could Jesus be the humble servant? Well, because he was so secure in his identity as a son. Kingdom ministry flows out of understanding and a security in our identity. We can serve others with humility and without self-preoccupation. When we know who we are in Jesus, our identity is then the basis for our authority. Does that make sense? I hope I'm not 
jumbling that or saying that too fast. But you know who you are when you know whose you are. You know who you are when you know whose you are because you're Jesus. You find your identity in him. But what therefore does the enemy try and do? He tries to upset that. We are able to look beyond ourselves and look out for others and serve the needs of others because we take on his identity and our security comes from his identity. We do and we live as he did. How and why can we focus on others? You know, someone said to me, Paul, please stop talking about others, others' needs, serving others' needs. I've got needs here. Do you not see my needs? Yeah, I do. But why could Jesus be the humble servant that served others rather than serve himself? Because he was so secure in his identity as a son and kingdom ministry flows out of our understanding and our security and our identity. We don't just get to know this stuff. We get to be empowered to live it out. Our authority is found in our identity and we have to guard against that being diluted and being dissolved. I might just stop there. Is that it? I hope that's helpful. Why don't, why don't we just pray? I think there's this significant moment for some of you. Let's just invite the Spirit of God. You might want to close your eyes, whatever it is, just to remove the distractions, but spend some time in this. We we need to drink dumpling of this, rivers of living water that flow from his heart, I pray, would be upon you now and remain upon you. I just want to speak into some of that identity stuff that, can you say it again? Can you just receive this afresh? That this wouldn't just be a mind thing, this would be a heart thing. This would embed within you that you, you are a child of God loved by the Father that that isn't a concept, that that becomes a reality. There needs to be a moment of revelation for that to really land upon you this morning. I think some of you, it's like, it's almost your serving has come out of a place of duty rather than out of an overflow that comes from having a sold, sealed and secure identity that's found in the Father. Lord, I pray for a release over us this morning. I think there's um, maybe a couple of people I, I feel physically just had a problem with uh, swallowing. Some of you have got a pain in both of your arms just from your, from your elbow down towards your wrist. I want to pray healing over that this morning. That, that I just speak to that pain, be gone, body realign. Lord, would you bring now glory to the Father? Let your healing power sit upon them. Is that what I'm? Is that what even tendonitis, tennis, diving, tennis elbow, something around there? There's a pain on some of you this morning that needs to go. I just want to pray into as well for some of you. Um, your authority has been reduced. You've been there's been a number of ways that has happened. Some has been by. Um, a lack of awareness of sonship, daughtership. Some of it has been the enemy has robbed you through the, the, the state of feeling unforgiven, like the prodigal son thing I just touched upon. Um, some of that, I think, is distraction. There's a distraction by circumstances, by the workplace, by employer, by um, even having children. I'm not saying don't have time or capacity for your children, but I think... There's a moment of distraction that the enemy has sought to use 
to to lessen your um, not only your identity but also your authority. I believe he just wants to realign that this morning. I think for some of you he wants to uncover and reveal the authority. All authority has been given. Not just some, not just part, all authority. There needs to be a moment of revelation for that, that it comes on you again. Some of you, it's almost even reaching out. I just feel that, that I can see like this force field, this barrier or this fog between you and some of your neighbours or colleagues where it's, you've shrunk back and shied away. There's been relational circumstantial pushback, but all authority is upon you. Go again, step into again from not from your own resolve, not from a place of just bringing it, but from an understanding of rooted and seated identity. Heirs, co-labourers, sons and daughters. I, I want to encourage you, don't, don't journey alone anymore. Step into a place of doing this alongside others. Some of you on a phone, text, get in touch, WhatsApp, email. If you don't have a small group community around you, step into a place this morning where you say to somebody, can you pray with me? Can you step in alongside me? Journey this out with me. I want my identity to be rooted again in who I am in Christ, a new creation. No more in condemnation. Sons and daughters, child of God, loved by the Father. Spirit of God, we welcome you. I pray for you in your homes this morning that you would know the hope that is found in New Year's. Lord, restore it to us. The Lord wants to minister you to you and I want to encourage you not to rush that time. Let's just let some music play as we do that. But God bless you.